0: Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum. My name is Jeanette Pacher. I'm a curator at Secession, and I'm very happy to um, have Anna Ancha Dolchikova here with me today. It's October 22nd, 2022. We're in the small studio at The Secession, and I'm looking forward to a conversation about the exhibition that is currently on show. Welcome, Anja.
1: Thank you. Welcome.
0: First, maybe we should give a um, short introduction to the works that are on show in the gallery space downstairs. There are two recent works talking to you in the first room, and uh, so on and so mine in the last room, which we'll talk about in depth very shortly. And they're connected by a selection of some examples of older works in the in-between room. They're from the 1990s, early 2000s, and we'll go back to them later on. But let's talk about the first work uh, called Talking to You that you yeah. did for the Jakarta Biennial. Please tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I was invited to take part in the Biennial in uh, Jakarta during the COVID time. And uh, th- this very much w- was an important moment. How to make the thing, not to mention that I'm not a big traveler, so I and never have been to Indonesia. So for me, it was all the new thing, and I found it as an opportunity to start something which I never tried before, which was a Zoom connection in order to make an art piece, in order to make something which can be then on display. And I asked the curator of Biennale, Grace Sambo, to... To find for me a possibility to choose uh, someone as a counterpart to my to my thoughts, someone I could be in the dialogue with, and since uh, last years, my main theme in what I am doing is featuring a phenomenon of, of non-binary existence and non-binary practices. I asked to. A search for people who would be able to share with me this this topic, and among some portfolios, I choose um, Tamara. I have to say it was absolutely a lucky choice, and and I am really still impressed by this fantastic coincidence that that we found ourselves so on the the same wavelength in a way at the same time being very very culturally different so there was immediately several questions which needed to be solved and uh, the first was the language so of course we can we could do it in english and we had to because this is the only only language we have in common but we also felt like being from Two countries which are not in the main discourse is important and we, we should stay with our our how to say provenience. Yeah, mm-hmm. provenience. So so we decided that we will work with Bahasa Indonesian language and with Czech language I'm speaking now, and being living in Prague, living and working in Prague. And this was the first thing we decided that the, the English translation will be somehow just a minimal part of the work. So by this we came to the situation of stepping out of the language in some ways. We were sort of concerned to, to visualize two languages and we did it in written form. And it is a, it is a words written on foil which we show to each other and which we manipulate differently, showing to each other the what we want to sort of say to each other.
0: Just to sort of picture that out, so you two are showing each other these words that are written on a transparent foil in your respective languages, and you're showing them to each other through the screen of a computer because you're connected via Zoom. In the exhibition, or the work consists of a recording of this situation.
1: Yes, yeah? it's, it's a Zoom work in a way. Mm-hmm. The, the, the technique of, of the work is Zoom, zooming, which we found out as, a, as a, this kind of allontonated dialogue, Although our encounter with Tamara, which is which was completely digital and, and virtual, was uh, from the very, very beginning absolutely intensive and showing the balanced participation in the situation, which was my second concern. Because me as a, someone from Central Europe who is inviting the artists from Indonesia where I never have been to where I didn't meet the person in person, was a, a question how to keep the balance that there is no kind of dominance of, of being a regisseur and actor, as someone who leads the, leads the situation and someone who responds to, to, to this. So I suggested that we are working on the principle of 50-50 in choosing the words we are going to show I had another concern, and it was the concern of of having a balance in taking the roles in this dialogue, that there is no dominant uh, person who is asking and the the other who is answering. But the thing is a real, real dialogue. So we had a principle of um, introducing ourselves in a 50-50 balance. And... It all was about communication in a way, you know, from the beginning by Zoom. And uh, we realized that we are working, in fact, we are searching for a language, how to understand each other, although we speak English, but but how to really understand and how to convey to each other what what, uh, our experience as non-binary persons. And uh, thinking about using the words and gestures which are reacting to the words which are shown or outspoken, we suddenly understood that we are sort of finding ourselves in somehow of pre-language situation, that on the one hand we have some terms which we easily can share. On the other hand, we have gestures which are absolutely intuitive, not codified, and which are in a way a performance of of something we exactly don't know what we are saying. And this we found a good picture of the state of the things with non-binary people, because a phenomenon of non-binary is now widely discussed and and displayed, etc., but what is less visible and what is less conveying is somehow a, a very personal and maybe intimate culture, I would even say, culture of of this existence, of being in between, of being of living some kind of fluidity. And we both believe that there is some kind of qualities which needs to be researched. We don't know yet. That's why it is a proto linguistic situation that we that we are trying to show and trying to find also for ourselves something which could work as a exchange between us and it's a gestural ex- exchange as well as as uh, visibly shown words which are adjectives and verbs you know and these adjectives and verbs we choose for the display and for the sort of structuring the dialogue are somehow the most frequented or most important, but also very ex-prompt and playful selection of, of concerns, you know, what it means to be binary, spoken out by adjectives, what would be the actions and actings which are concerning us in the good or bad way, the verbs, to run, to pattern, to manifest, to laugh, uh, these kind of things. So it looks like a kind of uh, rambling around the vocabulary, which doesn't exist in a way. But we really enjoyed it uh, because it was the main thing was a encounter where the communication really worked, you know, with the help of the movements and also with the kind of space for, for real exchange of normal verbal communication where Tamara is speaking about her risky or enjoyable situation in her life. And I'm speaking about my, my experience in this sense. And um, all together, this is a kind of common performance of two allotinated people who are sharing the same problems and same pleasures. Mm-hmm. So so this is, uh, this is what happened, and it was made à la prima in the Zoom without any long rehearsal, and uh, I'm really absolutely happy, and uh, Tamara also told me the same, that we were on the absolutely same wavelength with this kind of thing.
0: I think it's also very tangible when watching the video, it becomes very tangible that this exchange is between two people who have not met each other in person yet, but that's secondary because there is a real connection that also becomes sensible for me as a viewer, as well as the spontaneity of the reactions to the set of terms or set of words that you have chosen to describe or to express this existence of being non-binary in different cultural settings.
1: Exactly. I absolutely agree with everything what you're saying. What popped up uh, without us wanting it or planning it was a a real display of two cultural backgrounds, of two cultural ambiences and, and experience, where some kind of oppression and negative phenomena are common to, you know, the same risks and problems in life we have. But at the same time, there is a different cultural approach. And in this way, I would like to say that Tamara is really most vivant and most positive person I ever met in my life. Uh, while I, in this juxtaposition, look exactly European, you know, <laughs> with the kind of uh, rational uh, evaluation of, of, of the situation and giving it negative or positive accent. But this is what, what I think is also a, an important part of the, of the work, that there is a, a warmth and wish and curiosity and real intention and practice of communication nonetheless, uh, whatever cultures and and worldviews we are.
0: I absolutely agree. And I think this curiosity is also something that you can notice on both sides. And I would also add that it's not just a, a different cultural context, but that you're also from different generations, like, which is, again, a kind of, I see, a bridging or a longing for a real exchange, not just within one's own bubble, but an interest in another person. It's quite fascinating to see that kind of exchange and feel that it's totally equal.
1: Yeah, there was this kind of dimension of of, uh, suddenly the time didn't play a role in some way, and in some way it really was very present. Yeah, and this thing that that in the problematic part of our existence, which we are um, confronting on the daily basis, might have been different because of exactly the age gap. In a way, me as a, a old person, uh, I don't have that much risky situations in my life, while Tamara is exposed to to much more difficult. Uh, and threatening situations there. On the other hand, my experience from the last century, <laughs> I mean 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. Where I lived in the totalitarian regime and where this all these questions didn't exist in the discourse, had the, the same risky problems and risky situations or, or comparable risks. I had to go through in living my gender expression, as Tamara says. Tamara lives in comparison in a much more favorable situation, but at the same time with much more strong and expressed violence. yeah, violence in in my experience was obviously less and uh, not that clearly expressed because the most of the social behavior were sort of pushed down you know Mm -hmm. so there was too much of the control of the police and and all these things so you you can do the things Nevertheless, I also had the violence in my life but with Tamara's situation it is now looking at how the things are at, at this very moment and this radicalized part of the society is a much more serious threat to the lives and the health of non-binary people. So so that was there, and that is there in our dialogue as well. We are talking about the situation all over the world in a way, although on two examples and in in very specific, two specific lives, yeah. But I think what really we, we managed to do is What you are saying, a kind of a bow and understanding, where in a way the age difference also doesn't play any role, which I think is an achievement.
0: Listening to you uh, talking about these experiences as a non binary person, being exposed to a certain kind or certain amount of violence. And what the result of possibly having the idea or having to hide this characteristic, which has to do with one's body or one's idea of one's body or identity, that is then framed by other people's perception of one, that it does not fit into heteronormative setting then you experience that you have to sort of either hide that or veil it or or so on. And as far as I understood, Tamara is sort of like openly non-binary. I'm not quite sure how that is expressed in her sort of like daily life. But as a result, she has these struggles that you were talking about. And I I was wondering how this affects uh, one's own perception of the body or bodily expression which is something that you address in your work in a very specific way, I think. Also in your work, but also with this idea or term that you use of the mental body.
1: What we did in the dialogue with Tamara, we were also speaking about, I would call it dribbling, you know, it's dribbling is the... Uh, soccer term you know how to make your way in the society how to make the in the certain dispositif, you have to make your way and this is a constant skill non-binary people have mm-hmm. you know because you in each situation you have to sort of understand and watch out what is happening and how the acceptance or non-acceptance works
0: this dribbling is a part of also being on guard in a way
1: yeah, exactly. It, it is a kind of a special alertness, <laughs> if you put it this way, which we also even don't, don't notice. It is already an imprint, which is there. And, of course, it is a body language, which is at stake here. And the, the body is the absolutely a center of the battle in all means of that situation. So, yes, uh, we had this exchange with Tamara, which was very important for both of us. And I realized that it is exactly what I'm doing last years. In the last years in my artwork, it is a, in a way a research of, of something which I would call in-betweenness, which has a, you know, a reflective side, which is writing and thinking about it, what is it and, and how to understand it. But it is also involving a body. And as I'm working with my own body already for quite a long time, and I did it in in the 90s also in photography and later last years in the video, I use my body not as a sort of tool for my autobiographical expressions or something like that. I'm absolutely not interested in, in my personal existence being on display, But what I'm trying to work about is to find some kind of features of experience of people who are living some kind of gender fluidity and somehow practice it in the public. I'm also an open non-binary person, which in the practice means just that I just don't try to trick the others that I'm not non-binary, you know. If they read it, as non-binary is another question, but I'm not the one who is hiding it. But this is not enough, it is just my personal life, which is a, a normal way how to survive or not to survive. But what I want to speak about is the searching for some kind of qualities which our life and living experience can bring to the attention of others as something which could also be a good image for such questions like existence of the singular singular individual in the society, which is always different. Mm-hmm. You know, we are all very different. It's not only a, a sexual orientation or or gender expression and all these things. It's also each of us being uncomparable and yeah, special. So this is one thing and this kind of in-between state which doesn't fit in any identity fully, you know. Identity is is a thing which is also a question. It is being changed. It is not, it is a whole whole process. We are constantly processing ourselves and we are constantly trying to or falling into the trap of identities and at the same time getting rid of them. And uh, in the name of survival, in the name of the search for the real, for the presence and for the, the sense of, of one's existence, you know, what is the sense of, of life? It, it, it is to, to show oneself and be accepted and accept the otherness of the others. I think this is something where our experience can be helpful. And, and with this idea, I feel myself encouraged to do what I'm doing. But with the body, how you have put it in, in your former question, yes, there is something which, which is then continuing in the second work showed in the, in the exhibition, and this is this installation, video installation for channels in the last room. There I sort of brought in two things. One is a performative nature of my art making, and the gestures as, as a specific methodology or tool or approach in, in expressing or in building up the image. So during the decades which I have behind of the art making, from time to time I was, by working with my body, absolutely clearly understood that I'm a performative uh, person and the performance is a kind of skill I, I, I can work with. So I did it in the photography, photo performance (laughs) could be called, or I did it as a performance as such, as a medium within the art.
0: Of which we have both like a few examples in the middle room in the exhibition. That's why you put it there. That the
1: thing is not a kind of a, just a thing of the last two years, but it is really a long-term concern. So in the 90s, I was quite frequently performing within the uh, Slovak art scene. There, It was also a very, very favourable time for performance art. There was festival in uh, in a little town, Novezamki. Trans art communication was the... The title of the of the thing, it was several years in a row. And uh, there I found the first platform or first space for for expressing my otherness. Yeah, So that was clearly giving the the picture of a different sexual orientation, of different understanding of sex and gender. So I'm bringing here a kind of a slideshow where um, the documentation of this of these uh, works from 90s can be on display and show how the gestural skills of mine were developing in time, in a way. And then there are another works with the photography where, again, the gesture was already present, although not in that form as isn't in these last works where, where it is really... Very consistent, but as an image in the photography, where the, the gesture becomes a sign. Where the gesture is visualized in a steady form, as a kind of bodily form, but it's obviously fleshy, mm-hmm. it's obviously sexual, it's obviously a body which is not female and not male.
0: Coming back to the last work, work in the last room, uh, so one and so mine you were talking about that one of your practices that you have is also writing and we decided to along with the with the video installation that is there where one can see you perform in front of and with or for the camera where the camera lens is always sort of you're aware of it being a part of this communication but we decided to put up a part of the text that you had written on the mental body and we did the publication that was is centered around this idea of yours that became an exchange with other artists but it would be nice to hear you maybe read some of These notes on the mental body, this text, we put there as a sort of footnote
1: to the installation. So Mm. there is an installation where the four screenings are taking part. And on the wall, we have a, a kind of footnote, which came partially during and after I made the performance, which we can see in the installation. So it's a kind of footnote. My mental body seeks for a language. It seeks for speaking hands, hips, ears, feet in all their reappearances. Its grammar is concave and convex. The gesturing is syntax. My mental body is yearning for broadenings, for looking and seeing tentacles, for the shaping space while listening to juices, particles, molecules, in their wish for permeability. My mental body makes its genitals pronounced, rambling in between all sexes as an exuberant eventuality lusty in its extensions. My mental body occurs in spectacle of tissues, muscles, bones, as they compose and decompose their continuance. My mental body is a pulsating edifice, flowing around and passing over hurdles. My mental body is an event. My mental body is up to become distinctive, but not belonging. My mental body is in love for itself, up and coming to celebrate its infallible landing always nearby. Okay, so this is what I produced (laughs) as a point to this work, but at the same time I want to say that it is not a sort of finalized statement. It's something which is uh, now a result of some kind of processing and I always see it in the line of further and further development or reenactment or whatever, processing.
0: Thank you very much for reading. I was happy to do
1: it, thank you. (laughs) It's, it's very nice to also to see my work here in, in Sezision on display, because as I said, it is not some kind of final essay for me, but it's also some, some kind of knowledge I'm receiving, I'm gaining from, from seeing it in the space. This is also very important with the new media work because usually you see it in, the, in your computer. And uh, uh, to put it in the space and in the right size, it's suddenly is something completely else. And then you understand uh, how the thing works, in a way, not only what you want it to say. I'm really uh, glad for ha- having this kind of opportunity.
0: Well, I'm very happy to hear that because I think in the best case, it's like an exhibition is not only for other people to see someone's work but also if you as an artist can also have some new kind of experience of your own work. If that was something that we could achieve here then I'm very happy about that. Thank you.
1: We are all working you know it's yeah. not only artist is working and then working with the with the display or something which is displayed but also the visitor is the same working person so It's the work we really like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Antra. It was a real pleasure. Thank you very much too. Podcast. Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum.